The real estate world is changing. Opportunity is everywhere. It has never been so easy to connect, share, and bring people together. We're learning from others and finding the very best in ourselves. Challenging our beliefs, overcoming our fears, transforming ourselves so we can transform our business. This is Investor Creator. All right, guys, appreciate y'all being with us. This is the first weekly edition of Tuesday Morning Coffee. And so I want to give a shout out to John Jones. Tone, I don't know if you remember this, but years ago, John's now a friend, but I would, when I was selling real estate back in like 08 and 09, there's this guy, John Jones, who would do a Tuesday <laughs> morning right. coffee segment That's on right. his website. And this was before all the old people went to Facebook where they could Facebook Live. Otherwise, he probably would have done it then. You know, I was young, you know, so I, I, was, exactly. I was on Facebook at the How time. How young do you remember you were at that time? I don't know. Uh, what, old enough to know better, still too young? Yeah, to I'd probably only been about 75. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, John, he would do this segment and it was super impactful because it was yeah. really like just really nonchalant, like really chill, but he would give really good value during that time. And then I thought, you know, as my time is freeing up more and more because we're hiring a bigger team and bigger team here, I thought I'd, I'd like to kind of recreate something like that for what we're doing. You know, John was probably the only guy that was telling the general public, the inside trade numbers. Yeah, yeah, he you know, really was. He was saying, here's how many homes sold last month. Here's how many are on the market right now. Yeah. Here's why you're having a hard time finding one. Well, back then it was the opposite. Here's why you're having yeah. a tough time selling. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, so shout out to John Jones. So we're going to be doing this, guys, every Tuesday. Uh, I think generally a little bit early. And so earlier, I should say, because it's it's Tuesday morning coffee for Central Time right now, but it, it's yeah. it's like afternoon tea for the East Coast now. So uh, <laughs> we'll get there a little bit earlier next week. So we're shooting for probably 9 a.m. Central Time. Uh, guys, if you ever have questions about this episode or if you want a question answered, then you can just drop it in the chat here. We'll try to get to it. Or you can email us support at bradsmotherman.com. Today, I have my main man, right-hand guy for years and years now, Tony Woodall with us. Appreciate you being with us, man. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's always good to see your face. You well, always talk about how old you look, but I think you you certainly start, look younger and younger the more I'm, I'm around you. It's that young wife I have. That, that, that makes sense. She's doing it. So, What'd you do for Valentine's Day? You know, she decided what we were going to do for Valentine's Day. I she think that's said, usually how it is. Yeah, I know. It. She said no gifts, no cards. We're both going to work our tails off yesterday. We're coming home. I'm going to cook dinner. And me and you and the dog are going to watch uh, the Winter Olympics. So we did. We watched the curling last night. What is that? You know, it's where they slide that little round thing down the ice real slow and the rest of them get out there with brooms. Yeah. Do you understand that? Not a thing. (laughs) Not one thing about it. But they know when they're winning and they know when they're losing. And and that's fine with me. And then me and her and the dog all fell asleep on the couch last night. So it was a very romantic. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. What, What did we do? So my daughter is six. And... This is her favorite day of the year because everybody loves each other. You know? uh, <laughs> it's really sweet. So she made these custom Valentine gifts for her teachers. Mm. So 11 of them, by the way, 11 of them. Mm. And so they had flowers in them and candies and everything, you know, the, the same stuff we mm. got the team. And so we had to make that. And then when we got off from school, 
she wanted to go climb at the climbing gym. Okay, and I Mason, saw pictures. Yeah, and Mason wanted to go to the park. So I took Mason to the park by myself, and Mama took Maribeth to the climbing gym, and they had a big time. And, oh, fun. You know, so they, fun, fun, mine fun. was about as romantic as yours. But Well, you know, I mean, it's love, and and uh, and, and, and it's all-inclusive. Yeah, you know, oh, that's right. And you're at an age when you've got small, small children. My kids are 38 and 35 and 30. Yeah. So I, I think an aged relationship, I can say that because I think I started dating my wife at 19. So 16 years ago, uh-huh. it's, uh, I remember the last time we actually did the Valentine's Day thing. I was, I was in grad school. We went to Carabas uh-huh. and it was such a madhouse. I was like, we agreed never again. Will we do that? <laughs> You know, so uh, I have a very pragmatic bride. So that's always a good thing. So, man, uh, some people may not know who you are and may not know your background. Right. So go through that, like how we got together and okay. background. And, and all, all right. That. So I, I spent 25 years as a pastor by trade. You know, that was my job, which I never thought, you know, I got about halfway through and thought, you know, I'll never be able to do anything else because this is just a it's a skill set you won't use anywhere else, you know. And I had no idea that when you're standing up talking, say, in front of a couple thousand people twice a week, that you're developing a decent skill set. Yeah, I was know? thinking, well, I don't understand that. I know. And, and you sit and listen to people talk about some of the darker days of their lives. And so I never thought that would come in handy again at some point one day. And now I do that even with people who are about to lose their homes and uh, got different difficult things happening. So following that, I did about a 10 years doing consulting work with hospitals and some different groups. And But I met every probably two, three mornings a week at Starbucks, back then the one in front of Home Depot, mm-hmm. and um, with a group of people, men, women, and we were just all folks who had morning coffee. Most of us were single. And so that was kind of a place to where we could connect while you and Casey were having coffee at home, you know, before you came to Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And I'd always noticed this young guy over, mostly by himself, sometimes with an older gentleman. And he, he was just always busy. He was on the phone. He was just always busy. So every now and then this little group would take up a little We'd, we'd put some cash together to help somebody that needed some help. And then one day I'm going to tell something you probably, you had told me not to ever tell anybody, and I hadn't. But well, it's not it. like we're live on Facebook. <laughs> I know it. I know it. So, <laughs> so after everybody left, this young guy comes over to me and and hands me some cash where nobody can see it and says, look, I, I think y'all are helping people. Would you take this and use it however it needs to be used? Please don't tell anybody. <laughs> so... My bad. So anyway, that's that is really how I met Brad. And then uh, we would talk every now and then. I found out what he did. I was intrigued by it. I had once in my life before, when I lived in Hendersonville, we had we bought a corner lot, and the house was up towards the front of the main road, which left me a huge backyard with side road frontage. Mm. And I cut two lots off the back of that one time. I, I remember that, but I'd forgotten about it. Yeah. And, and sold them. And, uh, that was the extent of my real estate history right there. So once I, uh, Brad telling me what he did just kind of started, I started looking, I just became more aware of what was around, you know? And then one day, b- because he was telling me what he was doing, I got on Craigslist late one night and was looking for, 
looking around to see if there was something there. Somebody wanted to sell their house. And this lady just blatantly said on Facebook, can someone help me not lose my house to foreclosure? And I mean, she put it on there like at one in the morning. So I called her. I knew she was up. And um, she answered the phone. I went to see it the next morning. I got a copy of your contract. You, I, I, I called, texted you, and you sent me a copy of your contract. Mm. Uh, no instructions on how to fill it out. That's right. Agreement. Yeah. No instructions. I went through it. And at the time, I'd never heard anything called sub two. If I know now what I knew yeah. then, I wouldn't have paid cash for the house. I'd have bought sub two. And, uh, but I didn't, I called a buddy of mine. He, he, he was my lender and I bought the house. I moved into it and my plan was to live in it. I wasn't thinking as an investor at that time, I was looking for a place to live. So, uh, Brad, I told Brad what I did and he said, well, wait, 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 wait. You hadn't closed. Have you yet? And he started telling me about how I could buy it sub two. And I said, well, my problem is I already have this lender. He's a close friend of mine. I don't want to upset him kind of thing. And so I bought that house, moved into it. But right after that, Brad said to me one Starbucks, he said, listen, I have got a very busy day today. Do you mind calling this guy for me and ask him how much he wants for his house? And I said, well, Brad, I'm not a realtor. And he said, you don't have to be a realtor. I just need you to make a phone call. So I call a guy and the guy says, uh, well, I'd like 45000 So I text that back to Brad. He'll take 45000 for it. Brad texts me back right away. He said, Listen, I'm real busy right now. <laughs> now I can see his face. Then I couldn't see it. I'm real busy right now. Can you drive to the White Cat? Can you drive down to this house, meet this guy there, look at it, and then go down to, uh, no, I didn't say it then, and meet this house and tell me what you think. And I said, well, Brad, he said, are you doing something? <laughs> I said, well, no. So I drive to Trinity Lane, not knowing anything about the hot market in Nashville. I drive to Trinity Lane. I meet this guy there who pulls up and I'll never forget it. This convertible Cadillac that had been totally restored, probably like an early 60s with a top down. He gets out. He's dressed like a million bucks. And it occurs to me that he doesn't look like somebody would be selling a house on Trinity Lane for $45,000. And he wasn't. Yeah, He was not ready to sell it. But he didn't tell me that then. And so I, I text Brad the message. I said, well, the house is in perfect shape. You know, and he said, you mind meeting this guy? There's a white castle a block away from there. And so and meet him over there and have him fill out the, uh, the agreement. And I said, well, I don't have a copy of the agreement. He said, I've just emailed it to you. <laughs> there is a print shop next to the white castle. And you just go in there. They'll print it out for you and walk right in there and do it. Do you remember all this? Vaguely. Yeah. Vaguely. And so I go sit down with the guy and he says, Tony, he said, I'd love to sell it. But I really just wanted to get an idea what it was worth. And and I now know this man knew what it was worth. And um, Yeah, 45 was basically land value. Yes. So yeah. I mean, we, we had a heck of a deal at 45, which is why I'm sending Tony there. Because what Tony didn't know at the time, this was one of the few situations where an older person, for whatever reason, just did not like me. So being raised by my grandparents, I really got along with older people better than people in my parents' generation. Because I've just never been around those people. Right, And so he had given me the price of 45. I'd gone to the guy's house. I just did a drive-by on it. I can almost remember the, the address. I know it was Edwin Street. Edwin Street, yeah. Uh, and I think it was 315 or 415. I, I can't I remember. It's been years ago now. But this was one of the deals that kind of got away that yeah. you kind of always think about. And the house is probably not there now. Probably not. There's probably, probably two sc- uh, tall skinnies. Yeah, on it. probably. But uh, went to the house. 
And the only thing that I can think of is that I had just bought a new to me BMW. And so I guess whenever I pulled in and I mean, it wasn't a, it was an X3. It wasn't like a supercar or anything, but I think him being old school, that maybe just something about that didn't jive with him. And I will say, if that's the case, it's the only time in my career that I've had that happen. But uh, I remember I went to his living room, handed him the agreement, and I'd already filled everything out. And he he's the only person in my entire career that sat and read it word for word. And so here I am. It's very awkward because it's kind of like a situation like this, but he's not paying any attention to me at all. He's reading this document and I'm just like sitting there like twiddling my thumbs, like wondering what's going on. And he said, son, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. <laughs> I'm like, huh? <laughs> you know, like it just didn't make any sense. It's like, ask me to leave. I mean, he, right. he, he acted like I'd spilt lemonade on his favorite couch, you know? Yeah. And he said, you can shop the deal and, and you have a contingency. And I was like, and at this point, I'm backpedaling because I really didn't have the, the frame and the negotiation down like we do now. And I said, well, do you have some paperwork that you'd like to use? He said, no, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. And so I left kind of a tail between my legs. And my pregnant wife was in the car. She was like, well, did you buy it? I'm like, no, I don't know what happened. And so then I remembered Tony's really good with people. So maybe Tony can pull this off. So Andy has wrinkles. <laughs> so... You know, they, they ended up getting, I think, along better than me and this guy did, yeah. certainly. But He uh, didn't throw me out, but he didn't sell us the house. Yeah. But over time, we started working together. Yeah. And yeah. I guess seven, eight years now, something like close that. Close to eight years now. You know, and in that time, Tony's bought his own deals, created his own notes, done sub three deals. His first deal, McMinnville, we got to go through that. Yeah. Because he literally at this point got the biggest down payment that I had ever heard of. Yeah. And I was like, you know, in that movie Karate Kid, and he takes the chopsticks and he catches the fly. And Mr. Miyagi is just so upset because he's like, beginner luck. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's kind of how I felt yeah, about it. I know it. Because it was like, what was your down payment on that deal? $45,000. $45,000 down payment in a town called McMinnville, Tennessee. Yes. That has a population of not forty five thousand people. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. was not a this was not a huge house. No, the the thing I remember most about that is I remember we got out of the cart and Brad was standing right there with these folks, and I was standing next to him. He had a yellow pad, and he'd already walked around the house, and he'd made notes of what he saw. Yeah, that was potentially going to need to be repaired if we chose to if. If the structure worked out to where we were going to buy it and flip it, we would have that in front of them. But they needed to know what we were going to have to do anyway. So sure. he'd write it down right in front of them, take a picture of whatever that was. And then in front of him, he had his script right here. Yeah. And basically walked straight through the script. He knew it now pretty much. But if he needed to check with it, he'd had it right in front of him. And I remember these people because this was a sub three deal, hashtag David Alexander, and they didn't seem to understand it completely at first. And so I said the same thing word for word three separate times. Uh -huh. And I remember you, which was really good because Tony has an exceptional understanding of like minor social situations, like minute social situations. And I think that you could tell that there is a little bit of pressure you being so tall and both of these people were a little bit shorter. And so Tony just kind of starts walking off and like looking at things. He's still within earshot. So he understands what I'm doing, but I'm doing the same thing. Let me tell you what I can do with this. And honestly, the numbers are really tight. So the best that I can do with this is 
go through this, you know? And so I went through that three times and finally they were like, okay. And I can't remember if I had told you at the beginning, like, Hey, I'm just going to give you this deal or not. Cause I had so many deals. Like I couldn't do it myself. Yes. <laughs> and I was just, so no, you hadn't told me that. Okay. But when we got to the end, you said, then look, I know this is a little tight, but it's a good start. And you've been working hard. You've been doing your homework. So this yeah. is your deal. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, I didn't even realize at that point then, because I hadn't thought a whole lot through past what happens just in what I was doing for you. Yeah. That was my first time past a closing. Yeah. And it probably is what got me started understanding what happens at closings and how you get sellers ready for closing emotionally, how you get buyers ready for closing when you're going to owner finance a yeah. house. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and so that was Keith and well, Sue Robinson. Sue. And so, these buyers, they put 45000 down. That's right. Completely renovated the house. Out of that forty five k, how much was your cash? Do you remember? Was all of it? I don't remember. All this. of it. Okay. So the sellers were getting no money. On, a, no, on a, a bad deal that other investors couldn't do, Tony got forty five k cash. Yeah. So what we, were yeah, what we were concerned about was it was going to actually take the note a little under. Oh, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. If, if I kept all forty five, it was going to take me underneath what was owed on the underlying mortgage. Yeah. But because their situation with their credit was going to take them two or three years to get it in place before they could even refinance the house. So it was going to even out in that time. It was going to even out in that time. As it turned out, it actually gained some. Yeah, it gained some equity. It gained some equity yeah. during that time. Yeah. So I got the 45 on the front end. I got the little bit of the equity that it gained. Them. Yeah, that, it, that's super cool. And the crazy thing is that this buyer bought another house from us. One of, I guess, only two or maybe three people in our career that have done that and sold us a house. Yeah, they did. And in, in, in one of the best areas in all of Middle Tennessee, in yeah. Spring Hill. Yeah, because there was a health and safety situation mm -hmm. in the house. So, yeah, big uh, house. And I guess since then, I mean, you've seen the company grow from just us to 14 or 15 people now. Yeah. But it all started here. And so, Tony's been instrumental in everything that we've done. And so I, I just thought it'd be super fun to, to do Tuesday morning coffee together yeah. and just talk about whatever kind of comes up. So I guess that kind of brings us to the deal of the day. So today we're talking about an owner finance deal that we're closing today on the sale of. And so kind of the numbers, we bought this for $65,000. We put a down payment down and we have 0% interest principal only payments of $500 per month on the 45K that's stored. So 20K down. And then 40K still owed $500 per month. So for 80 months, mm. we just wrapped it at 122,000 at 7.9%. No, we did 9.9 on this one. We did 9.9% on this one. And I don't remember how James pulled that off, but 9.9% rate. Uh, so we have cash flow on this deal, but in 80 months, I have a free and clear note. That's right. And so that, that 122 that we sold it at, I think we got 10K down plus the loan origination fee. So that buyer will, will finance probably somewhere in the 115 range. And so in 80 months, they might still owe 110, okay? Because That's of right. amortization. That's right. So on this deal, that was, you know, not as, could we have taken it retail? Maybe and made something, maybe 20 or 30K. But across 80 months, we're going to make $110,000 plus the cash flow. And what did you have to spend to get it ready for the new movie? Zero. Uh -huh. We haven't touched it. Haven't touched it. So that's one of the questions that we often get on our finance mm -hmm. deals is, what do you do to fix the house? And, and I, I look dumbfounded. Was it in perfect shape? No, no, no. It's a, was it a little dirty, a little trashy. I'm sure it was. They all oh. are, you know, some more than others. 
like the Juno Bergerton oh. road is kind of a mess, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that that is that. well, I mean, we've got two guys down there that have been working on it for a week now. That's just the inside. We're having a hire company come in with a skid steer to clean up the outside. There is a mountain of trash. I think now I know what they did because it's common household trash. So I think they were probably running a little garbage pickup service with people that lived in that area with a large pickup truck. Wonderful. And then they were just dumping it in their yard. There's no way that all of that came out of that house because the house was still full. Yeah. Interesting. And yeah. It will wind up taking two weeks just to clean out the inside of the house. Yeah. And we're just doing a light demo, but it is, I've never seen that much trash. The piles are four feet high on the outside. Wow. It's, it is crazy. Interesting. So, Interesting. Well, what I wanted to talk about today is that there's more opportunity in the market than people realize. Okay. And I look at this from an ads perspective. So I, most people know that I'm a digital ads guy. We really like search engine marketing because we're in a position where people are searching for a solution and they're finding us. Okay. So I wanted to, to look at the numbers so far for this month. So, uh, so far for this month, we spent 13200 on ads. We've had 100 conversions, so 100 leads, 100 people that have asked us to, to speak to them about a house that they need to sell for a cost per lead of $132. But the biggest part of this is the click-through rate, okay? So my click-through rate is 3.85%, okay? So let's just call it 4%, round it up. What that means is that for the deals that we have for this month, I'm capturing 4% of the traffic that we want, Okay, so I'm missing out on 96% of the traffic, which effectively means I'm missing out on 96% of the deals, assuming that the traffic is like remains equal in, in terms of quality. There's no reason that it wouldn't because it, it's representative. So like if I have 100 people that reach out for a search term, like let's say it's sell my house fast, which is a key term that we would view as relevant, then if there's 100 people, four of them make it to my site and we're buying houses from the four people that make it to my site. The other 96 people, because we're not able to capture the traffic, we lose, okay? And I think that this is really a good testament to how many deals are actually out there because on average, we're buying in the 10 to 20 per month range where we're losing out on 96% of the deals, which means that there are hundreds of deals in the markets that we're looking at, okay, and that we're in that we view as like relevant for search terms that we want that traffic and we can't get those deals, and so one of the things that I'm often asked for people that, I mean, not super often, but sometimes asked from people that are, are looking at joining the apprenticeship is, well, why are you teaching this? Like, why don't you just keep all the deals? I can't get the other 96% anyway. No. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so like I actually became fairly known locally first. And that's where we started training people first. And people had the same thing. Like, aren't you training your competition? Like, number one, if you are, are doing search type ads, you're going to have competition there anyway. I'd rather them be people that I train that I know are going to be ethical and honest with people and be able to serve sellers at the highest level mm -hmm. as opposed to people that I don't know. But even still, like, and we have, I don't know, probably 10 or so apprentices in Tennessee where I am that are, are running local ads in Tennessee. And I might run into them maybe four times a year, something like that. You know, so with all the deals that we're doing and all the appointments that we're taking and everything, it's really just not an issue. You know, I've only had one real run in my good friend, Justin Rogers, he had a house under contract and he came to one of the support clinics that we have 
And he was talking about how some that it had just gone listed. And I said, man, you've got to intervene. You know, like you have the contract on this thing. You've got to intervene. And so he reached out to me the, the next day <laughs> a little bit. I don't know what, maybe he was a touch coy, like, hey, man, um, uh, your wife is a listing agent. <laughs> and so we were, we we were the enemy. Out, you know, but he, he hadn't recorded a memorandum. So I didn't know that he'd sold it or he, he was by, he had it under it. contract. Yeah. You know, and, and I, but I did feel vindicated that I, I had told him to intervene in, in the very deal, that's right. <laughs> you know, to keep it from happening. But, you know, that's the only real run in that I've had and probably. Well, what's two that years. tell you? I mean, there is so much business out there that we're not even touching. Yeah. We're not even getting to. We, we don't even know. It comes and goes. And yeah. And we'll never know, but I'm happy with what we capture. Mm-hmm. You know, like, our little 4% that we're capturing, 4% is not a big number, but it turns into a lot of transactions. Mm-hmm. And this is one state. Well, this, the, this, this 96% everything. Well, this is, yeah, but as a ratio, it's yeah, still, you know, we're, we're missing out on 96% of the, the deals out there. And I think that this is one of the main things that I, I, I view as a critical issue because mindset is so critical to what we do. And it's critical to doing anything at a reasonable level or even a high level, certainly. Whether you you want to play piano or you want to uh, learn how to dance or do jujitsu or you know be a great real estate person, you know having the mindset is so important because it's the lens that you view everything. And so I think Tony has a pretty good example of one of his walks where if you had a, a different perspective on deals are so tough to find, which is completely wrong, then you wouldn't have had the opportunity that you had. Yeah. You know, I've been, and I say that I've been lucky, but I don't think so. I think outside of what we do with our marketing, which works, there's also just a natural sense of awareness you need to stay at. So one day I'm driving home and I, as I'm driving, I noticed this guy hammering a sign in his front yard, five doors down from where I live. And so it's a for rent. I mean, it's a, a for sale by owner sign. So since I'm five doors down, I just go ahead and park and then get out and start walking down there and introduced myself. I didn't know him. He, he owned the house. He's a landlord. He's got renters in there. And he said, yeah, he said, I am, um, I'm going to sell two of my rentals right now. And, um, he'd been a landlord for years yeah. and he's in retirement age. So every, every so often he sells a couple of rentals and lives off that money at cash for a while. And, um, I said, well, it is strange how naturally it just came. I yeah. said, well, I mean, you know, I, I just, I'm a neighbor, you know, I, I'm not saying I could buy it, but what's the least you think you'll take for it? Yeah. And he said, well, I'm asking 180. And I said, okay, 180. Damn, I'm uncomfortable just, just being here <laughs> around that pause. Well, what? What's the least you think you'd take for it? If I pay your closing costs yeah, and I take care of whatever needs to happen to it, what's the least you think you'd take? And he said, I'd take um, 175. And I said, hmm, 175. And by this point, because he's a landlord and I figure at some point he's taking some courses mm-hmm. in investing. Yeah. So I said, um, 175, is that just the bottom least you'd take for it? 
he said, you know, I can't go any less than 170. Because he said that, I said, would you take 160? Mm. I never, we never make offers. Yeah. And, um, and, but I knew I was dealing with an investor and I shouldn't have done that. Well, that's because okay. what I didn't know is he may be needing to dump nine or 10 of his runs, yeah. but I didn't know it. Right. Right. And I said, would you take 160? And he said, no. And I said, anything less than 170? And he said, no. And I said, so are you telling me that if I told you today that I'd give you 170, you'd sell me the house? And he said, yeah. And so I said, okay, how long are you going to be over here? He said, about 15 minutes. <laughs> and so Tony calls Brad. Hey, do you have one of those contracts you can email me? I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he had them at that point. <laughs> I, I, I walked home and got one and just came back down there. We filled it out right in the front yard. And the backside of it, I won't take so long to tell. So, But as it turns out, I had to agree to let those renters finish their lease out. And this is Ninja right here. Yeah, which this is, is Ninja. Three months. Yeah. You know. So I knew the values of my neighborhood. I knew what the house was worth like it was. Yeah. Which was? Which two, 240. Okay. So bought it for 170, worth around 240. Yeah. But if I had rehabbed it, I could probably sell it for 280. Yeah. But I'd have had to put 40 in it to get an extra 40 or 50. I mean, let me do my math here and see if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I probably wouldn't do that. Yeah. So anyway, a, a week later, the renters came to see me and explained to me, he was so angry and explained to me. The tenant. The tenant, the tenant, yeah. He came to see me and said, you know, I offered to buy the house from you. And uh, we, we're, we're like four months away from having our credit restored. Mm. And I was just like, what? And um, he said, yes. And he said, would you sell me the house? And I said, Buddy, I can't sell you that house, not for what I just bought it for. Yeah, it's worth significantly more than that. Yeah, and I plan on rehabbing it, and it'll probably sell for two eighty. And he's he's like, oh. so he went and talked to his wife and came back and said, "Would you sell it to us as just like it is?" And I said, "You sure you want to?" And he said, "Well, what's the price?" And I said 245. And they closed on it three months ago. Boom. And so to recap that, you're driving down the street, saw a for sale boner sign, made a connection, and then sold the landlord's house to his tenant. Which he could have made it. Yeah. But we don't know what people don't know. That's why I should not have said, would you go to 160? Because I didn't know. And that was a huge mistake. I could have bought it for 140. I don't know that. Yeah. But I also don't know that. I mean, it sounds like more likely than not, you got the best deal you could. Yeah. And it certainly worked. Right. Because you didn't have to list it. You had no real estate commissions, any of that stuff. I do think you had to do it airline or something. I, 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 I had to connect to sewer. Uh, connect to sewer because it was FHA. Mm -hmm. Right. So, but the deal worked out fine. It worked out fine. You know. And I bought four over the past eight years. Just up looking at Craigslist late at night. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we have one apprentice, Stephanie. She just cleared 123, I believe, from somebody 
hosting their cabin and a Facebook group out in Gatlinburg. Mm. And so she's just in her free time. will look, look at those. And I mean, you can make a, a reasonable income without having all of the marketing machine, like we do things and, and having motivated sellers reach out to you on demand, how we do things you can make probably for most people, a full-time income just from Craigslist and Facebook groups and that kind of thing. But you got to stay committed at it. Yeah. And, and my point is not to replace, don't feel like you can save some money here. The best way to do this is spend what you can on your marketing. Yeah. This is gravy. Yeah. This yeah. is this is that extra 40. This would pay for your, your marketing. Right. That, that's a year. good way to look at it. That's a good way to look at it. So, yeah. so if you had been driving down the street and thinking gosh, deals are so tough to find. This real estate market's just out of control. Nobody's going to sell at a discount. Do you think you would have stopped? No. Yeah. Not with that mindset. I mean, when I first started, I remember we went, when we did our first little group, it was about 15 folks we invited to that. And it was live every Wednesday night for two hours. Yeah. Well, I remember you saying, look, when you're riding down the street, and you see a house, and it's got a couple shutters falling off of it, and the grass is knee high. Look it up. Find out what's going on with it. Go knock on the door. See if somebody's living there. And it, it instilled in me this awareness of being aware of your surroundings. You know, we think because we, we're, we're sometimes our own worst enemy because we listen to all the stuff about the gigantic deals and we lose sight of there's an extra 30 over there. There's an extra 45 over here. And yeah. well, that 30 and that 45, and all of a sudden you're at 75 for the year of extra money that you didn't have to pay for. Well, yeah, that's hundred percent true. And Tony multiple times has, uh, I remember one time on Sligo, uh, you bought the cabin and then I don't know what happened, but we ended up buying the 14 acres next to it from somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and then we heard that they were going to put a hotel adjacent <laughs> to us. That hotel never came, <laughs> but um, you know that was exciting. So I was like, I've got 14 acres right next to what was supposed to be a Marriott. Yeah, and on an owner finance deal, that was one of those. So early on, when uh, the, one of the ways that Brad would pay me is he would give me a couple deals a year. Yeah, and um, it is a great creative way, you know. It, I think it was some of your first scaling that you were doing. Like you were attaching amounts to, to people, what you wanted to pay that person. And it was a percentage of number of deals or number or or of that deal, you know? And so there was one out in the other side of Gallatin. Oh yeah. With that acreage. It had 11 acres. Yeah. And um, so the, the, the 11 acres was long and the house was over to the left side. So when I, we bought it sub two, and that fellow who was getting out of, uh, he was a retired office uh, in the service. Okay. And he was, he bought him an RV and he was going to go out and live <clears throat> in the RV. We bought it sub two. And then. Now it was pre foreclosure, right? It was. Okay. Caught it up, caught it up. And uh, the uh, owner financed it as the house yeah. on five acres. Yeah. Because I had 10 acres out there, and that's a county where you can't subdivide for less than five acres unless you want to go through the planning commission. I didn't want to do that. Right. So I said, I've got a house on five acres and an additional six acres attached to it if you'd like to own or finance that as well. Yeah. And the couple, they asked me, said, well, can we put it all into one? So I picked up an extra 
the house on 11 acres was going to owner finance for the same thing the house on five acres was going to owner finance for. Right. But it, by marketing it this way, I picked up probably an extra 50 grand. Yeah. In equity. Yeah. Just by on the 60 on the six acres. Yeah. And so deals are out there, guys. Deals are out there. Here's a, an article. We were looking at this this morning, guys. We're all the time looking at what's going on in the market. This is uh, titled U.S. Foreclosure Activity in January 2022, Highest Since Beginning of COVID-19 Pandemic. So not sure. All right. So in terms of statistics, uh, new data shows that there was 23,204 U.S. properties with foreclosure filings, default notices, scheduled auctions, or bank repossessions, an increase of 29% from a month ago and up 139% from a year ago according to January 2022 U.S. foreclosure market report. So, I mean, here's the thing, guys. Like, this is one of our big five motivators, pre-foreclosure, up 139% from a year ago. I mean, and this is one of five. I mean, there's there's divorces, there's inheritance situations, and we're buying stuff all the time. There's no shortage of deals. So if I can challenge you on something, there's no shortage of transactions that are good transactions out there. Just because prices are soaring, and sellers have multiple options, it doesn't really matter because your seller is your seller. And you're, the people that aren't going to sell you the property, they never were in the first place anyway. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that me and Tony would do a lot whenever we would go in person, which we don't do anymore, we buy everything virtually now. But when we went in person, I mean, I remember specifically there was one on in Nolansville, but it was like more the Brentwood side, the north side. And it was Davidson County. I remember that because that's the first time that I knew Brentwood was in Davidson, but it was a Brentwood address. And it was that, that brick ranch house mm-hmm. and it, it had like a driveway up to mm-hmm. it. And I, there was a lady there and I, I don't remember if it was Tony. So or, it was out Nolensville road. Yeah, yeah. 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 I don't remember if it was Tony or me that said it, but one of us said, well, why don't you just list it? And she said, well, you know, if you think that that's the best thing that, that I could do, then, then maybe I should do that. And we did our job that day. Yeah. You know, there have been other times that we go to say, well, why don't you list it? And they say, well, we don't want to list it because of A and B and C and D. And we want you to buy the house. And so what we've done there is, number one, guys, people are scared to throw out the, why don't you just list it? Because they assume that the seller doesn't know. Like, trust me, they know. <laughs> like, they know yeah. that they can list the house. But we want to be in a position where we're we're pushing the seller away that it truly is the best thing for them to list it. And that's fine. We serve a subsect of the market. And so the, the person that is our seller, if we tell them, well, why don't you just list it? What do we do? We're now a moral authority. Mm-hmm. So we're in a position of really, really strong frame. Mm-hmm. And th- they're at that point, they're chasing us. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to do that because of A and B and C and D, right? And so we made them just relive that emotionally as to why all the reasons why we're there. And so at that point, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the frame has shifted strongly and we're able to negotiate a better deal. Yeah, at that point, when you walk away from them and you say, look, if and if you have any other questions, once you talk to your realtor, feel free to call yeah. us back. Here's my phone number. Yeah. Who do you think they're going to call? They're yeah. going to call the person they trust. That's right. So we, did, we did the best we could for them. And we do this in pre-foreclosure situations as well, because if someone wants to keep the house, we want them to keep the house. Mm-hmm. So the best example of this that I can remember is that, la- that crazy lady in Smyrna. Do you remember her? All right, let, let me... let me. Is that the house we had to re- redo all the... No, 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 no. So you'll remember this after I, I jump into it. So we were running radio ads at night, okay? And so Michael Savage was one of the radio shows. And for those that don't know Michael Savage, he's he's an extremely right-wing 
conservative guy that you know has a lot of conspiracy theories and that kind of thing. He's extremely entertaining, but you get a certain person that listens to him at 2 a.m. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so uh, we had this lady call, and she said she's pre-foreclosure. We went to the house. She was an old lady. She, she, I mean, I mean, old. She was probably like eighty, and and she was extremely thin, but she was high energy, man. And so, um, and I've never been. I guess never is a big word. I think I've been scared in a house four times, including that time that guy almost shot me. Yeah, and we'll do that on a different episode. Talk about that on a different different day. Uh, there's only so much we can go through, today, you know. But uh, this is one of the times I was I was very afraid in a house. Okay, so little old lady. We hear knock, 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 front door. It's the police. Oh, yes. Yes. The police. Yes. And so they say, hello, Mrs. Jones. There's two of them. And I, I, number one, I'm thinking, why are they here? And number two, why two people? Two cars, not just two guys. They say, hello, Mrs. Mrs. Johnson. Uh, how are you today? And she said, oh, I'm fine. And at that point, the sheriff was in some trouble himself. And, and she was yeah. making fun of the, the sheriff that was their boss. And they leave. And there was never like a, a reason why they were there. They were just popping by. And so she closed the door and I'm like, wow, you have the police come and check on you. How often does that happen? And she said, you may remember, remember this. I'm sure you will. She said, they don't give a damn about me. They've just been out here since I tried to kill my husband. Yep. And she said something like, I shot, but I missed. It got real quiet in there. And I'm like, how in the hell do I get out of here? <laughs> you know, and Tony was not as spooked as I was because this lady wanted to keep the house. And Tony said, well, can you borrow the money to catch it up? Can you find somebody to loan you the money to catch it up? And she says, well, I got the money right here, honey. And she pulls up a cushion on the couch and pulls out a wad of cash like this. Oh my gosh. And the first thing Tony said is, please move that so that we don't know where it is. Cause there was more. Yeah. She was headed for a shoebox she had. You know, she and said, Tony, there's more of that in this shoebox. And I think Tony is more scared of the cash in the couch than I was the police and her shooting somebody or attempting to. And so Tony immediately was like, you know what, Brad, we've got that other appointment. We've got to go. <laughs> but Tony walked this lady through for weeks how to yeah. catch it up. Mm-hmm. And she ended up doing it. Yeah. And again, we serve people in a good way. And not to say we're amazing individuals. That's not what I'm saying. But we have no fear of losing the deal because we understand that there's enough deals out there, you know? So like we can go into an appointment and try to serve people in the best way and try to tell them like, Hey, maybe you should list the house. Hey, your pre foreclosure. Can you catch it up? Like, let, let me walk you through that. Cause we literally only want to buy houses from people that want to sell us houses. Yeah. If you can't walk away from that, your frame is broken anyway. Yeah. You have no frame. I'm now chasing them, which means I'm the motivated one, not them. And the second they know that I'm motivated, they now have me. Yeah. They could actually, if they knew the script, say, hmm, I'm not saying I'll sell the house to you. <laughs> but if, if, what's I, the most you would if pay? I could, what's the most you'd give me? Yeah. You know, guys, that's why we call it triage. So the first phone call is a triage call. We're the triage nurse at the hospital deciding, are you going to go to the waiting room because you have a limp and a fever? Or are you like bleeding from your neck and you're going to go see a doctor? Now? Yeah. Like, so, I mean, we're not motivated. Like we're, we're there, we're running a job, like yeah. we're running a script and we're in a position where we are the solution to their problem, but we don't have to help. Yeah. Look at that triage. Like it's drawing a line 
as you walk through that scri- uh, the triage, it's drawing a line and the motivated are moving to one side and the non-motivating are moved to the other. Yeah. If you get to the end of that triage and you got a bunch of non-motivated people over here on your motivated side, that means you've not held your frame. Yeah. And they are going to waste a lot of your time. That's it. That's it. They need to be on this side. And that's okay. If you wind up with one over here and a hundred over here, these hundred are not wasting your time. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Any final thoughts on how if if I feel like deals are hard to find or if I feel like there's not enough opportunity, how can I shift out of that? Gosh, I mean, and let's just say that your your marketing cash is a little tight too. Because we have a lot of folks when they get started. They're able to spend money to get in to get the knowledge, but they don't necessarily feel like they have a lot of cash to market with. Yeah. Then I would say the best investment that you can make is your time. And so at 10 o'clock at night, turn that Facebook off and f- go to some places where some motivated people are asking for help. I mean, anybody who's going to watch, I love Andy Griffith, but 30 minutes of Andy Griffith. He's talking time, to me now. Yeah. At <laughs> night. And not at least look on the uh, on Craigslist for ten minutes of that. Yeah, where you where people get on there, especially older people. Yeah, and say I need to sell my house fast. Younger people are not. They're they're going to other social media platforms. But people my age and up, we're going to what we know, and what we know is is Craigslist. Or I bought a house because at the little store in that town had a. Um, had a, had a little bulletin board out there and they had a sign up that they, they wanted to sell this little house that they had inherited. I don't know if I ever told you about uh, that. Which one was that? That one was when I was in, what's that little town? I thought about it or Hartsville. Yeah, Hartsville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember that because you sold it to that, that NFL. Player. Yes. Yes. This guy, man. Yeah. He runs and, into everything and, and just called you just run through the script just like you normally do. Yeah. And, you have friends who have inherited houses and they don't know what to do with them. Yeah. Now you be careful because you don't want to mess a friendship up. But when they bring that thing up, then, you know, if that is an easy gig and you can be a help, that's great. So a couple of thoughts on that. Number one, if you have this idea, like deals are tough to find, I want you to look at every rehab flip house in your market, like get MLS access if you can, but you can do this on prop stream as well and see what they bought it for and see what I bought it for that. I mean, that's living proof that these deals exist in your market. You just weren't there. Okay. So that's number one. Number two, you've got to plug into a community that's being successful with this. Guys, I'm I'm a big Dan Pena fan. We used to listen to Pena, but he talks about all the time. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. It's 100% true. If you're not in a peer group that is being successful with this, or even worse, you're in a peer group that tried and not successful with this, and now they have this kind of demeaning sort of uh, thought process behind it it's going to be really tough for you to be successful. So like one of the things that I tell people in the apprentice group, like the people that need the support clinics the least are there the most. And the the, the opposite is true as well. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're not plugging in and being there, and I think a big part of that is the mindset piece. Because if you see like Ebony coming to a call and she has three or four deals at one time that she just put under contract, it's really tough to think, well, I can't do a deal a month. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so have that happen all the time. It is. Uh, w- one last one I was thinking about is, is one that we had probably about six to nine months ago. We had a lady call in from Madison, which is a, a, a suburb in North Nashville. Very hot real estate market. Yeah. 
she was in foreclosure. A sale date had been set. When we got the call, it was like two weeks away. James did a primo job. And then uh, Kevin did a primo job on the train. And James did a primo job. And we get to the very end and she'd be, yes, send it. We'd send it. And then we wouldn't hear from her. Yeah. So Kevin got the idea that there might be. Send it being send the contract. Yeah. 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 We'd send the contract and then, and then, it, uh, you know, she wouldn't sign in 24 hours. So we pull, we would just yeah. delete it. Yeah. You know, she called back. What happened to it? Well, you said you were going to sign it. You were ready to sell the house. And, and that's, that's another thing. It's not about signing the contract. It's about selling the house. So when you're going to respond to them like that, don't say, well, we thought you were going to sign the contract. We thought you were going to sell the house. Cause that's what they want to do. That's what they want to do. Signing a contract is actually scary they don't understand what they're signing anyway. Sell the house is what we're looking for, the language area. So anyway, Kevin said, I think you should go out and see her. So I hadn't been involved in it by that point. So I drive to Madison, but it's an old Hickory address, but it is all the way up to the river. Mm-hmm. And so she has a little three bedroom, two bath ranch. Next door to it is a castle. You remember I sent the pictures of this huge oh, yeah. castle next yeah. door to it. This lady was struggling. And I thought I recognized her. And I said, because her last name was whatever it was, I'll say Johnson. And I'll say, do you know Jim Johnson? And she said, that's my uncle. And I said, oh, I know you. I went to church with you years ago. Hmm. And she told me the name of the church. Her issue was she had some mental illness and she could not trust anyone. Yeah to do anything. I called her or she called me every day for that last week. Yeah. And I told her two days before the auction, I said, now I want to make sure that you're prepared for what's going to happen day after tomorrow. Some men with some large trucks are going to pull up in your front yard and they're going to set up a sound system. And there'll probably be two, 300 people out here in your yard. And they're going to walk through your house Mm. and uh, touch your things. I don't want you to be caught off guard. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm telling you the reality. And those men are going to talk on that speaker and they're going to sell your house to someone else. And when they leave, you won't own this house anymore. Yeah. And 30 to 45 days from today, if you're not out, the sheriff's department's going to come and set all your things out on the street, even if it's pouring down rain. And we don't want that to happen. You don't have to sell your house to us, but you need to have somebody who can help you get out of this. And this is the last day yeah. that it can happen. And she couldn't do it. Yeah. And they did exactly that to her. Yeah. And it's tough. Sometimes people have a real situation that they they need to acknowledge, but emotionally they can't. We can't create motivation. You will never be able to, with the best script in the world, with the best processes in the world, create motivation. The best that we can do is be there to capture it. Mm-hmm. When people are willing and understand the equity that, that they're giving you, and they're willing to do that for finality of the deal. So... I think that's it for us, guys. Appreciate y'all being with us. We'll catch you next Tuesday, Tuesday morning coffee. If you have any questions, let us know. Support at bradsmotherman.com. And we'll catch you guys next week. Y'all have a good week. All right. Good day.